My name is Matt Fell. Uh, I am a part of a church in Cambridge, and I'm going to take us through this next hour. Um, this is a seminar for folks who are coming up to the end of like school or college, and you're wondering what's next and how to navigate that as a Christian. So in this next uh, you know, 45, 50 minutes or so, we're going to think about the workplace. We're going to think about going off to university. And we're going to think about doing a year with a church or a, like a Christian organization to help you grow as a disciple. So we're going to do a mixture of things. It's, you know, it's a varied menu. And some of it's going to be people talking to you from the front. Some of it's going to be chance for Q&A. Uh, some of it's going to be discussing amongst yourselves. Uh, so that's the plan. And I really hope and trust that as we talk to you today, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, is going to speak to you. Because you're his sheep. He's the shepherd. He knows how to guide and direct you in life. And so as you're navigating those big things, know that you've got one who is a very trusted guide. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah? I'm never any good with microphones. I never know what to do with this thing. So if, you know, if I'm going quiet, just do some crazy waving at me and I'll see what I can do. So this is the plan. We're going to start off thinking about work. And I'm going to just share some thoughts about the workplace. Um, then... Maybe my friend Tim is going to come and talk to you about going to university. But Tim's a wild fella, and he may not turn up. In which case, I've got some thoughts about going to university, which I'm actually very excited to share with you. But I like Tim, so if he turns up, we'll let him loose. Uh, And then Jess over here is going to talk about giving a year of your life just to discipleship and serving church. We're going to have some friends get up and share some stuff along the way. Um, That's the plan. Cool. Okay, so... um, Give me a wave if you are like 18 leaving home this summer. Yeah, a couple of people. Great. Wave if you're 17 and thinking about next year. Brill. Well done. Forward planners. Very impressive. Um, Give me a wave if you're younger than 17 and you're just like, you just can't wait to leave home and that's why you're here. (laughs) Amazing. You guys are very welcome. Fun times. Cool. Okay, so um, you are coming up to decision time. Until you hit 18, you know, most of the big decisions in your life were made by parents or carers and the community around you. And you're getting to the point where you have to make some big life decisions on your own. And that can feel quite overwhelming, can't it? I remember that feeling just being completely paralyzed at times. And it kind of starts as you're kind of getting 16, 17, you know, what are you going to do for your career? Where are you going to go to university? School trying to get you to pin down the rest of your life at that point. Uh, but it kind of keeps going for a long time, I'm afraid to say. You know, probably not until your 30s and life is a little bit more settled down. So this experience of navigating these big decisions is going to be a thing. And sometimes it's going to be a bit uncomfortable. But you know what? The Lord is going to do a lot of good work in you. He's going to show you his faithfulness along the way. And God wants to grow you into somebody who makes good decisions. Uh, And so because of that, he's not always going to tell you what's going to come next. He's not always going to make the decision for you. I know he's your heavenly father. But because he's a good father, he wants to train you up. I've got three kids. um, And, you know, if they hit the age of 20 and I'm still doing, you know, taking them to the toilet, I have failed as a dad. Yeah? Unless there's like some medical reason why that has to happen, in which case I'm happy to do that. But do you know what I mean? 
you know, a good parent wants their child to grow into maturity and to make good decisions themselves. And so the Lord wants that for us. So strap, you know, strap yourself in for the ride of your 20s. You make big decisions, but know that he's growing you to all of that. So it's decision time, time to make some big decisions. Why don't you turn to the person next to you? And I, I just want you to reflect on a few things. What are the decisions that are on the table for you right now? Is it work, uni, that kind of stuff? Um, and what are the pressures behind those decisions? Because often, you know, when we're making a decision, we, we feel things. It might be the opinion of our parents or guardians. It might be practical things like time or financial pressures. So the two questions I want you to discuss, what, what are the decisions on the table for you right now? And what are the pressures? Have a good two or three minutes to chat amongst yourselves about that and we'll, we'll come back. Scratch the surface there, but it's helpful just to kind of reflect upon that stuff. You know, not only what are the decisions in front of me, what are the things that I'm feeling, what are the pressures that I'm feeling motivating me as I'm thinking about this decision and are they healthy, you know? And then thinking, you know, what, what's God's heart for me in this situation? What's God's heart for this thing in front of me? So if the decision is going off to university, where am I going to go? What's that going to look like? I've got to think, what, what's going to be the Lord's heart for that? And to do that, we're going to have to get into Scripture. We're going to have to open up the Bible. We're not going to find a verse which, you know, says, thus saith the Lord, when you consider going off to university, dot, dot, dot. But we have to find the principles and the heart of God and the gospel and think it through in this situation. So that's what we're going to do in the rest of this time. We're going to, we're going to try and share some biblical wisdom with you guys about work and uni and then talk about some other options. So I'm going to think about work. Um, and I guess when, uh, the first thing I want to say is when the Bible talks about work and the, the work that God has given us for us to do in life, it's not just thinking about what you get paid for, what your salary is going to be about. You know, you are going to be called to do all sorts of work in your life. Some of it is going to, you know, bring you in some cash money, but not all of it. You're going to work hard at sport, uh, art, at community, at serving people, at serving in church, and you're going to have a profession as well. And that's all a part of work. And in fact, when you go off to university and you're studying, that's a form of work as well. So what does the Bible have to say about work? Well, the first thing is that it's not a bad thing. And it's not an evil necessity either. You go right back to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis. God creates a world. He makes it very good. He plants a garden in the midst of the world and he puts man and woman in the garden to work it, to take care of it. And then from the garden, he says, go forth into all creation, subdue it, cultivate it, expand the garden. So right at the beginning, when God makes human beings, he makes men and women to work, to have a purpose. God doesn't just make you to be a tourist to kind of just sit back and go, oh, yeah, this is a nice world, God. He created you to play a part in its story and its history. You're called to purpose, to do something, and that's what it is to be a human. It's to, to, to be a, about something. You know, turtles, I'm sure they have a great time, but turtles mainly are about swimming, eating, having babies, and they're all good activities. But being human, you get to do things like science and poetry 
and basketball. Yeah? There's so much, you know, to be a humanist, to have all these opportunities, all these things that you can work at, and that's the Lord's creation of you. And so in life, there's going to be lots of opportunities for you to work. And it's not a bad thing or a necessary evil. That said, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's going to be hard graft. Sometimes getting out of bed in the morning and checking in and doing the things that are required of you is going to be a slog. Because work, after the fall, after human beings turn away from God, work gets tough. And sometimes it gets frustrating and meaningless. That's how it goes in the world. So we've got to walk this line as Christians. On one hand, there is beautiful purpose in the work that God is going to call you to. But it's also going to be graft. Sometimes it's going to be glorious. You're going to feel like you're just alive. And other times you're going to feel like you're close to falling asleep. And that's what's before us. Here's some reasons why work is a good thing. One, it expresses your humanity. Not having work to do, you get bored. And there's nothing worse than being bored. Um, Work is going to give you something to do, something to apply yourself with. And in doing that, you're going to come alive. So work helps us express our humanity. It also expresses our character. Because each one of us, you know, has our own story. We come from a background. We come from a place. We've got certain skills and gifts, interests that are like, you know, unique to you and not shared by your friend. God has wired us in particular ways and as we get to pursue a career, we get to express that. Now this is a cool thing about living in the modern world. Back in the day, if your dad was a blacksmith, you'd probably be a blacksmith, whether you were into that or not. Today, you get to kind of, you know, there's so many options in front of us. And that can feel a bit overwhelming, but it's also, it's a cool thing. Because you get to ask yourself, okay, God, how have you made me? What's my story? What things have you put in my character and in my life? that I could pursue in the workplace. So work, we get to express our humanity, express our character, but also our faith. Because no matter where the Lord takes you, no matter what career opens up for you, there is an opportunity for you to do it living and breathing for Jesus. Because work is always a holy thing. There's no sacred secular divide. There's no kind of like, you know, top tier Christian jobs like Tim's a church leader. You know, he's got the gold standard, whereas Bob over here is an accountant. Bad luck, Bob. Any job that you are going to do is going to involve other people. Even if you're a friggin' lifehouse keeper, you're there to serve other people. Our work always puts us in contact with other human beings made in the image of God who he loves. And so no matter what you get to do, you get to do it as an expression of God's love for your neighbor. You get to come into their lives. You get to be like a priest in your workplace. A priest represents God to the world and the world to God. You get to be somebody who comes as salt and light into that company, into that charity, into that community. Wherever you are, you get to You know, if any of you were in Andrew Wilson's talks this week, you know, talking about like leaven, you know, the kingdom of God is like leaven and 
And, and Jesus wants to kind of put that leaven into every area of life to transform it. So wherever you get taken by your work, whether that's the basketball court, whether that's the classroom, whether that's sweeping up at McDonald's at two o'clock in the morning, he wants to bring the kingdom of God. He wants to do wonderful and miraculous things in that moment. Isn't that crazy? I used to work in a box packing factory. Definitely the grimmest job that I ever had. But the opportunity to meet with people and to be the grace and love of Jesus to them, that, trans- that makes a box packing shift at two o'clock in the morning pretty lively and exciting. So you get to express your faith through your work. So how do you work out what you're going to do? Well, here's some thoughts. First off is I want to say pray about it, but crack on. Pray, Lord, provide a great job for me that's going to bring me joy and allow me to fruitful, be fruitful. But don't just then wait on him. Get out there and get working. Because every job that you do is going to contribute to your growth and experience, give you opportunity to meet people. So don't stand still. Get into the workplace as soon as you're ready to, but also pray about it. Pray and crack on. That's my first thought. The second one is ask other people what they see in you, but know yourself. Talk to your parents. Talk to your teachers, your youth leaders, folks around you. What do you see in me? What, what, what kind of job can you see me doing? Ask people that. Let them speak into you, but also know yourself. You know, if somebody says, yeah, Matt, I could really see you being an accountant, that, it, that would be disaster, <laughs> you know. So know yourself, but listen to other people. Let them speak in, because God will speak through wise counsel. Try stuff is my third point. Just try things out. I've been, I said, I worked in a, in a factory. I've been a lifeguard and a swimming teacher. I worked in a homeless shelter. I've been an academic, and I'm a church leader. Try different stuff. You know, there's different seasons in your life. So if there's a job in front of you, even if it feels like it's not really you, give it a go. See how the Lord's going to shape you and add to you through that. Don't stand still. And then final thought, and this kind of applies to all sorts of stuff. As you start out in the, work in, in the workplace, know that it's okay to fail. I think because... You know, we're constantly seeing people's best lives online. We have such high standards for ourselves. We expect to boss it at everything. If you're 18, you ain't going to boss much. (laughs) When I was 18, I was profoundly stupid. I'm a little less stupid now, 18 years on, but not much. You learn, you grow, you're going to get things wrong. You're going to try a job, it's going to suck. You're going to realize that wasn't for you. Don't freak out about it. There's going to be another job around the corner and you will grow and learn along the way. Then my thoughts about work. Let me see what time we're on. I want to very quickly introduce you to a very new friend of mine, Sparrow at the back. Do you want to come on up, my man? Um, Give him a round of applause. Very quickly, he, just, he shared his story with me a second ago, and I just thought this was really interesting and would be worth sharing. Um, so tell us where you are now, and then kind of go back and just tell us about your like, choices that you've made in terms of like, 
you know, you told me about doing like a gap year, then work, and why you made those decisions, kind of thinking about the call God had on your life. Hi, everyone. So it's Sharrow, just to... Oh, that. That's fine. I grew up being called Sparrow in school. That's how I got bullied. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Um, so I'm living in Iraq, in the Kurdish region of Iraq at the moment, with my wife and kids. Um, but I grew up in southeast London. At the age of 17, I knew I, I wanted to go. It was on my heart to go back to Iraq. So then my decisions were impacted by that. I went and did a gap year. Um, so for a few months, I worked saved in a card shop. It used to be Clinton Cards. Um, and then saved up enough money to go and do a gap year. And in my gap year, I went to Hong Kong and worked with Jackie Pullinger. Uh, so I spent some of the, most of the year there. And that was transformative for me. That gap year, sadly at that time, New Frontiers didn't have all the amazing opportunities that they have now. Um, so I went and did that and it changed me and it was a kind of cliche but I went to Hong Kong as a boy and I came back as a man it was completely different I was a completely different person when I came back and when I came back I had my place at Roehampton to do history but I'd been so impacted by what I'd seen in Hong Kong I just was like what is history going to do what am I going to do with that I knew and I was reminded again of of the heart that God had given me to go to Iraq and and show Christ there so I was like, what am I going to do history? I just can't see how that will transfer. So I did half the year. To be honest, I've, I was about to be kicked out because I'd done no work the whole year. So I was like, it looks bad if I get kicked out, so let me leave. So I left and then went and did nursing. I spoke to some friends. They're like, oh, nursing's a good thing. It's transferable. You can take it to many nations. You'll get a job if you need a job. And if you're doing humanitarian work, you can be a blessing to people. So I went and did nursing. Um, and then with that, obviously, I've worked in NHS for about 10 years. And then seven years ago, uh, moved to Iraq as a family. Very cool. Thanks, man. Do I stay here for a second? Um, I want to get my crew up here. So, Tim, can you come on up? And Jess, if you want to be present. Um, we need to move on and think about going to uni. But very quickly, has anybody got a question they want to ask about the workplace, going into the workplace? Currently in a job... Um got an offer and was looking for one and I felt that that was a God thing. The only thing I'm experiencing now is I can't go to church on Sundays because I'm working. Is that then a God thing or is that something that I should be moving out of or should I take it as an experience and take it as an opportunity to do something different? Great question. So essentially the, the kind of root of it is like what happens if your work kind of clashes with your commitments to church and following Jesus? Anybody got some thoughts they want to contribute? So my wife is a nurse and would do shift work for years. And in our church, we've got nurses and doctors and lots of different shift workers. Uh, and uh, some will go for weeks and weeks without being able to go on a Sunday. So I wouldn't say it's a deal breaker. But you've got to know in yourself who you are and whether it pulls you away from God and away from church. Uh, and also, most jobs don't last forever. So, uh, so I would talk to your church, work out midweek stuff, ways that you can be properly engaged um, and take responsibility for your own church social life. So if you, because you don't get the natural connection every week, you have to work hard to make sure people see you. What I like about that is that she's asking that question, you know, that a job comes up and you go, well, hang on, is this going to rob me of my investment in church? You know, that, if you're asking that, that question, you're in a healthy place. If you're not asking that question, then maybe, you know, it's a bit of a wake-up call, like, do I really value church? Cool. Okay. 
you've got more questions about work, come grab us afterwards. But I'm going to hand over to Tim now, who's going to share some thoughts about going to uni. Who is going to uni in September? Okay, who's got plans to go the following year? Yeah, it's a few of you as well. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell you a few things. So, um, yeah, my name is Tim Simmons. I've kind of either been leading a church with lots of students in or been involved in student work uh, for about 20 years in Birmingham and in Manchester now. Uh, and so I've p picked up a few themes that have been common over the 20 years, and they're basically they're as true now, I think, as they were 20 years ago. Um, but firstly to say, you should go to university feeling confident. Going to university is a lot of fun. You are going to enjoy yourself. You will be stretched intellectually, philosophically, culturally, uh, in your ability to make friends is a great stretching time. And an 18-year-old you is very, very different to 21-year-old you. And you will enjoy it. I promise you, it's a lot of fun. There is three years of opportunity. It's exciting, but it is not an easy thing. Okay? It is, for some of you, perhaps your first step out of home, out of your youth group, out of your own church, into a bigger, wider world. Um, and so it's not simple. So I'm going to suggest five quick mindsets for you to thrive at university. Okay? Uh, and the first one is to say who you are early. So a good friend of mine called Greg loves sports, uh, was at uni, and he wanted to join the hockey team. And this was uh, Birmingham. And uh, the hockey teams and the rugby teams at university had a real reputation for drinking beer by litres, like, like big, hard-drinking social life. And that was their reputation. And to join the hockey or the rugby team, you had to do initiation ceremonies, which would involve drinking a lot of beer, sometimes followed by a shot of chilli, and then you drink more beer. So they had a high, all of this. So I was like, Greg, you're, you're a Christian, and he loved God. I was like, how, how are you going to kind of deal with that? And he said, oh, I just told them I was a Christian and I didn't want to drink. I was like what, you told all of these big hockey guys? I was like, yeah, yeah, I just told them. Uh, this is who I am. I'm not going to drink beer. I really want to come along, though. And I was like, did they throw you out? He's like, no, they're fine with it. No, it was just, just fine. So because he went early, this is who I am early. This is my stand early. That was a good moment for him. So that's mindset number one. And it's worth thinking about as you build up to Freshers Week and that first term particularly, where people will work very hard to spend their whole loan before reading week on beer and pizza uh, it's worth thinking who am I how am I going to behave what's my answer going to be to some of these questions okay mindset one mindset two is a lot of fun you should enjoy it so go there are lots and lots of societies you can join uh, and different friendship groups depending on the place and city you go to but even some of the universities that are in smaller towns uh, and like a campus university there is loads going on and I would say Take the opportunities and be that person who thinks, you know what, I'm going to go to that society, I'm going on my own, uh, I'm going to go to the, I don't know, the wall climbing society, I'm going to go uh, and because everybody else is doing the same thing. So you think, oh, I'm just a little 18 year old with all these other, gr other people around me, but actually that is the majority, most people feel like that. So take the step and go to those things, you'll enjoy it, it's really good fun. The third one is to beat homesickness okay nobody thinks they're going to get homesick 
most people do. Uh, and at the beginning of term, you might go to a party, right? You might go to a house party, and then there are people there who are uber confident. And you think, who is that guy? That's super confident. At the end of term, you might go to uh, at a party at the same house, and that same confident person is there, but they're in a mess. That's because they're homesick. It happens a lot. And I'm going to tell you about two of my friends who dealt with homesickness in different ways. They're both called Dan, confusingly. So we'll go with Dan 1. Dan 1 uh, took homesickness... He tried to deal with it by going home every weekend. Every weekend he would go home. And his course was a relatively intense science course. Uh, it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't English. He had to actually do some work. Uh, and, uh, and that meant he, he'd never really got much of a social life because he was going back home every weekend, which meant he didn't really build any mates, which meant he stayed homesick. And it wasn't until his third year that actually he began to beat homesickness. And that was because his girlfriend moved to the city. So that was the, uh, he just never beat it. Yeah. Now, I was talking to a guy just a couple of weeks ago at the church in Manchester, Dan number two. Uh, and uh, I was just, we were just chatting and I heard somebody just say to him, oh, Dan, how's the homesickness? He went, yeah, it's been tough, but I think I've mastered it. I was like, oh, how'd you do that? He said, I decided to stop going home. I'm like, man. 18-year-old kid, I was like, he's more mature than me. That is incredible. Uh, and he did it. He beat homesickness. And he did it by ripping off the plaster, realizing, actually, I'm going to build my life here. And you will beat homesickness. The fourth one, and this will help beat homesickness, but the fourth one is find a church quick. Find your church quickly. Uh, and you might think, Tim, you're clearly a church pastor you just want me so that I can do PA. That's what you want me in your church for. I would say, uh, in our church, we have a number of very key people with us now. Uh, I'll tell you about Jamie. Jamie leads worship in one of our sites. So we have five sites in our church. Leads worship in one of our sites is uh, a treasurer on our trustee boards. Uh, and I remember when he first turned up at church, it was halfway through his first year. And he basically decided he was an atheist for the first half. Uh, and then his world was beginning to fall to pieces. He realized he needed God. So he turned up in a bit of a mess. And 10 years later, he is a pillar in our church. Joe Barmforth, she is a doctor now in Manchester. Um, she's been studying for like a million years and still isn't qualified. But she is a doctor. She is uh, on one of our site core teams. Wonderful person. James Adams also studied to be a doctor. He planted one of our sites uh, and another girl, Hannah Truman, is here this week uh, with our youth, uh, and she joined us as an 18-year-old art student um, who was crazy and is still crazy. Uh, and finding a church is phenomenally good for you, but also it advances the kingdom of God in the town that you'll be in. Now, you may only be in that town for three years, and, but don't worry about that. And if somebody ever says to you, our students are only around for three years, we don't need to invest in them, don't go to that church. Walk away from that church, never go back to it. Go to a place where they feed you, they have fun with you, they'll look after you, and then slowly but surely they'll start asking you, do you want to get involved? And then you can say yes, and you will advance the kingdom of God's in that town. And, and fifthly and finally, uh, do not worry about the mistakes that you will make. I absolutely guarantee you that some of you are going to make quite shocking mistakes, often in your first year, uh, and you will regret that, and you may regret them. Okay, now, I'm going to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie turned up at our church halfway through her second year, and, uh, I, and I always kind of asked the question, she, she, we began to hang out with her a bit, 
She was from a Christian home. And I was like, oh, what church did you go to in your first year? Knowing the answer. And she said, oh, I didn't go to church. And I was like, what did you do in your first year? She said, I was hungover. I was, okay, right, that was your Sunday mornings in year one. Uh, and I'd, so we talked about it, and she was like, yeah, it was a, it was a mistake. I'm, I'm gutted. I shouldn't have, I wasted my first year. I was like, it's not a mistake. You are, well, it is a mistake, but you are here now. Do not worry about your mistakes. Don't sweat them. Uh, actually, the influences and the things that come at you at university can be pretty intimidating. Yeah, you're not going to make the right call every time. You're not going to hang out with the right people every time. You will be offered opportunities and things to do uh, and behaviors to partake in. And uh, Don't let your mistakes define you. You can uh, take a step back. You can reassess. Don't sweat the mistakes. A good friend of mine, one last story, Sam. And he told me about this, uh, and uh, he, in his first and second year, he was a bit party crazy, shall we say, uh, and uh, he would be hanging out with this girl a lot, and she wasn't a Christian, uh, and he was, and they had been flirting lots and uh, kissing and all of that stuff, and she invited him back to his room, uh, and he's, uh, he's a good Christian lad, but he knew what was about to happen, so he goes back to her room, uh, and they're just sitting on the floor, kissing and cuddling, and then she says to him, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. When, we get back, when I get back, we're going to have sex. She went to the bathroom. And I was like, dude, dude, what did you do? I mean, that's quite an offer, isn't it? What did you do? Uh, and he said, I realized that that moment I'd made a mistake and that I needed to get out straight away. That's not who I was. That's what he did. So they're your top five mindsets for going to university. Matthew, over to you. Okay, let's get the crew back up. Shara, you want to come? You left uni first year, so you've got something to tell as well. Got some wisdom there. Any questions about going to university? Tim covered it. Yes. Do you want to come on up? Because there's no way I'm going to hear you. Tell us what your name is as well. My name is Daniel. I would like to ask the question... What metrics do you use to decide which university is good for you? I was uh, pretty stupid, so I, it was the offer that I got. I don't know if anybody else, that was the metric I decided. But you have to look at the course that you want to do. Um, you have to look at the town that it's in. You have to look at the town that you've come from and the sort of place you want to live in. Um, yeah, you've got some stuff to add to that, I know. Yeah, it's a really good question. Like, how do you work out which university to go to? So I, I'm, a, I'm a PhD student at Cambridge University, and I teach there too. Um, so it's a shocker, Tim says. You'd never think it. Um, and, but I, I, didn't, I wasn't there as an undergrad. I went to the University of Kent down in Canterbury. Um, well, you know, which probably, I think it's probably middle tables kind of university. So, there's a lot, I'm just trying to think, what do I want to say on this? I've, I've got something. Um, it's just Friday at New Day, isn't it? Tired. Um, university is, it's going to be about the study, but it's also about much more than that. It's about you growing as a person. And so, you know, great academic credentials, you know, that's something, 
But actually thinking about like, is this the kind of place where I'm going to thrive and grow and increase in my love of God and people? I think that, that comes first. And so, you know, if you know there's a really good church in that town that is going to, you know, it's got lots of students, it's going to really support you, you know, that's probably, I think that's worth way more than like, it's going to look good on my CV, but I've got a funny feeling about it. And actually, when I was making the decision about going to university, my options were Glasgow or Canterbury. And Glasgow was a much better university. But I just had this feeling that the person I wanted to become, that was more likely to happen in Canterbury than it was at uni, uh, in Glasgow. Um, And I I can't really tell you why. (laughs) Glasgow's a great city. I love it. Um, So I think, think about your growth rather than just what's going to look best on paper. Any other wisdom? Yeah, go. I think just like, sorry, I think just a really small practical thing. If you have a rough idea of what career you want to pursue, and that not might be for all of us here, but if you're like, I know exactly where I want to go, I want to be a doctor, I want to study medicine, I want to do this. Um, I think that's helpful in also choosing your degree and where you choose that as well. Specifically for the sciences, if you're someone who wants to study a science in particular and pursue a career in science. Um, I know there's some people who have studied like biomedical science, for example, in one university. And actually that degree didn't get them the job that they wanted in the end. Whereas going to another university and studying that subject would actually give them the career they wanted. So some careers are like, we will not accept you if you haven't studied at X university. So just look into those things. Just a small practical thing if that's helpful. Super helpful. Okay. Let's move on to the final thing we want to talk to you guys about. Um, Because, you know, you come through through school and school's going to talk to you about either going to uni or into the workplace. You know, it's a bit of a, to some degree, it's a bit of a conveyor belt. Like, you know, this is where you are heading. But there are other opportunities out there um, to take a gap year. You know, that term's kind of a bit old school now. Um, but it can be a really valuable, deeply shaping opportunity. And Jess is going to share some thoughts about that. So give Jess a round of applause. Thanks. Hey. How's it going, everyone? Um, my name is Jess Kaluki. I'm Northern Irish and I married a Kenyan, hence the name. And I help lead um, a gap year program called Intentional Discipleship along with Matt here. Um, And that is why I'm here to share a little bit about gap years. If you're someone here who has never considered a gap year as your next step, you've got an exact plan of where you want to go, what you want to do, or you're someone here who's like, do you know what, I have no idea what I want to do. I just want to encourage you guys to consider a gap year as a potential thing for you to do. Don't be completely closed-minded. Don't be like, I know exactly what I'm doing. Just give it a bit of an open thought of, hmm, maybe this could be something I can consider. Um, So I've just got a few points. Um, I personally did a gap year myself. So I'm just going to be sharing a little bit about if a gap year could be for you and the benefits of taking a gap year. So if you've got a notebook or if you want to write some notes on your phone, I'll do some punchy lines and I hope that it is helpful. Um, So for me personally, just a bit of context, who I am and what I got into a gap year for doing. So I came from a non-Christian home, um, didn't grow up knowing Christianity, knowing Jesus. Um, I grew up in Northern Ireland my whole life. 
and then I moved to university in Brighton when I was 18 years old. I personally chose university because I wanted to get away from home and because everybody else was going to university, wouldn't recommend doing it just for that reason, but that was what I did. Um, I studied filmmaking because it was something I enjoyed. I didn't know what my career was in the future, but I just thought, this is what everyone else is doing. I'm going to study this, see what happens. Um, so I studied, and in my first year of university, I was very blessed to come and know Jesus for the first time and have been following him ever since and loving it. Um, and people kept telling me, you know, once you get to the end of your degree, you know, you've got loads of time. You'll know what you're doing when you finish the end of your degree. You'll know it's going to come. It's okay. You've got time. So I got to my second year of uni. I'm like, I still don't know what I'm going to do next. I got to my third year of uni. I'm like, I, I still have no idea what I'm doing next. Um, and then people were telling me about gap year programs, about how you can serve a local church, how you can go to different cities, how you can learn theology, how you can serve your local church and local city. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I ended up doing an internship year as my uh, gap year after finishing university. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about why I chose to do that and if a gap year could be for you. So that's just a little bit about me. Um, but I'm going to start by talking about who is a gap year for? Is it for you? Is it for someone that you know? So point number one, a gap year is for the one who feels lost. So I'm going to say some points and I just want you to listen out to be like, hmm, do any of these things resonate with me? So are you someone who you're coming to the end of your A-levels or you're maybe in your first year of your A-levels, you're coming to the end soon, but you just don't know what career path you want to take. Is that you? Maybe you're someone who had a roadmap of your life. Maybe five years ago, you're like, do you know what? I want this career. I want this lifestyle. I know exactly where I'm going. And now you're at your A-levels and you're like... I actually don't think I want that plan for my life anymore. I've completely changed as a person. I'm not sure what the future holds. Maybe you're in a place right now where everybody is asking you the big daunting question, what do you want to do with your life? And that question is terrifying. <laughs> if that is you, I know that feeling and I know that it is scary. Or maybe you're somebody here who actually, you have a bit of a rough idea of what you want to do, but you're not quite sure how to get there or you don't feel fully ready to go into that. Do any of those categories resonate with you? Taking a year out, God provides a space for you to focus on what he is calling you to do. A gap year is a place for you to experience the gifts that God has given you. And it's a safe space for you to explore more of his character and a space to hear his voice. You might be in a place now where there's so many voices, so many things telling you what to do, where you should go, how to do it. And actually, we're drowning out what God is calling us to and what he's telling us to do. And a gap year can be so helpful for those things, just to take a year and listen solely to the voice of God, so accurately and focus in. And I know when I did my gap year, even though I didn't know what my future looked like, during that year, I heard the voice of God so clearly over my life and gave me a very clear directory of where I'm going next and what he brought next and next and next. And it was just so helpful for me. So number one, who is a gap year for? It is for the one who feels lost. So if you feel lost, if you're like, I'm just not sure what my next step is, maybe a gap year could be a good choice for you. Just taking a year to listen to God's voice.
Number two, a gap year is for the one who wants to grow. I'm gonna say some statements again and see if any of these resonate with you. You're someone who goes to church on a Sunday, maybe you've been to small groups, you've been to awesome conferences like New Day and you're receiving some great teaching of the word, but you personally have just not had that time to get into the word more deeply yourself. You've heard glimpses of who God is, glimpses of what he does. You've listened, you read your Bible when you go home, but it just, it's not enough, you know? You want a little bit more. Maybe you're somebody who has a lot of non-Christian friends and family, and they come to you and they talk to you about your faith. They're like, why do you believe that? What do you think of suffering? What do you think of the world today? What do you think of relationships and sexuality? And you have no idea how to respond to those things. Maybe you're somebody who's like, do you know what? I just need a bit more teaching on how to respond to those things. I don't feel equipped for those conversations, and that's okay. Maybe you are somebody and you feel like, I have these gifts that God has given me. I see potentials of leadership. I see potentials of ministries that I could go into and things that I could bring to his church and his kingdom. But I don't know how to grow those gifts. I don't know how to use them. I don't have the right input to help me achieve those things that God wants me to do. Maybe you're someone who's just really busy and just doesn't have the time that you want to do the things God wants you to do. Maybe you're someone who's just like, God, can I just take some time out to just look at you and just fixate my eyes on you? A Christian gap year is the perfect place to grow. There are lots of programs, lots and lots of programs that you could join in with to receive theology teaching, no matter if you've just come into the faith for your first couple of years or you've grown up in Christianity your whole life. There are programs that will give theology teaching. There are programs to give you experiences to serve in different ministries and churches and places across the world. And it's a place for you to receive input from spiritual leaders, from ministry leaders, people who've been doing it for longer than you have. Just that input to shape your character, to shape your gifts, to teach you more about who God is. A gap year could be a perfect thing for you. And my last point of who um, a gap year is for, it's for the one who wants adventure. God does not call us to a boring life. Yes, he's with you in the mundane rhythms of life. He's with you as you wake up. He's with you as you pray. He's with you as you go to school. He's with you as you study but God has more to offer you. There is more of his love, more of his grace, more of his power and knowledge and wisdom and awesome power that you can discover. And you can do that by adventuring with him. You could spend time in a new city or a new country that really needs help with a particular ministry. You could help with small church plants and reaching out to their communities to help them grow and spread the gospel. You could help in a food bank and make a difference to vulnerable people in cities across the world. You could grow in a brand new skill and could be, that could be the career that God has been calling you to this whole time. In Joshua 1 verse 9, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The Lord says for us to be courageous people for him. 
We don't have to do this life alone. We don't have to live a boring life. We can live an adventure with him. Being with Jesus is meant to be fun. And if you don't feel that, why not experience a gap year that will help you see that you can have an adventure with him, not just in a year out, but forever. That is a first great starting point for you to see that point. So who is a gap year for? Number one, it's for the one who feels lost, confused, doesn't know what the future looks like. Number two, it's for the one who wants to grow in their faith and knowledge of Jesus, who wants to grow in the gifts that he's given you, who wants to grow in maturity with him. And number three, it's for the one who wants an adventure with Jesus. If you feel this hunger of, I know there's more, I know there's more of him to experience and see, a gap year is an incredible opportunity. And for me personally, when I did my gap year, I cannot say how much that year helped me to mature, not just as a character, as a person, but also in my relationship with Jesus. And like I said, I came from a non-Christian background, so when I was able to receive theology teaching in a year out, the amount that I grew in my knowledge of him just gave me more of a hunger, more of an understanding of how to read, apologetics of how to answer questions with my friends. It was so helpful. And these things set me up for my career, for my future, for the places that God wanted me to go to. And hearing his voice so attunely helped me understand, I know that I'm walking with him. So maybe a gap year is something for you to consider. Maybe it's something to pray about. Me and Matt, we run an internship program, like I said, called Intentional Discipleship. Come and chat to us about it if you're interested. But there are also other ones that are around here. Find others in the depot as well. Come and chat. We would love to tell you more about gap years. But that's it from me. Hope that's helpful. Excellent. Okay, um, so there's two more things we want to do before we head off. So the first is actually we want to tell you about two of the internship programs we've got going on. Um, so I'll talk about ID, and I've got some friends here from the Unreach Network. Do you guys want to come up and, and go first? Um, you know, technically, here at New Day, these guys are like the rival opportunity to ID. But I am so in awe of what these guys are about that uh, I cannot commend them enough. So uh, remind me your name. Thomas is going to talk to us about the idea, uh, not the idea, <laughs> I'm tired, about the Unreached Network's internship. Yeah, so I've actually done kind of three gap years. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend a gap year. So I did one before uni where I spent a lot of time overseas. Um, and then after uni, I did one very similar to ID and then kind of started working. And then I'm now doing the Unreached internship alongside the work I was doing um, with a, a Christian charity where I am in Bradford. And I think that's a big part of the Unreached internship. It is very flexible. If you come to us saying you have no idea where you want to go, you just want to serve and be trained in cross-cultural outreach, then we'll find somewhere. We'll put you with a church here in the UK, which is getting loads of people from different cultures and training alongside that, or we can link you up with one of our church plants um, elsewhere in the world. But if you're already working, maybe you're already part of a church which is doing cross-cultural stuff or you're already working full-time and you just want a bit of kind of training that comes alongside it and there is options in our internship mini and in getting kind of some of the online content. Um, so it is super flexible and we love coming alongside um, where you're already part of a church. It's all about the unreached nations. So everything Andy spoke about this morning uh, our focus is cross-cultural, so our training, we do theology training, but it's all through a lens of 
how is the Bible read in different cultures? How do we plant churches in the, the least reached parts of the world that Andy was speaking about this morning? Um, so it's all kind of with that focus on cultural understanding, approaching different cultures with humility, and how do we read the Bible, plant healthy churches in that context? It's super flexible. Um, I'd love to chat to you more on our stand in the depot. Um, yeah. Um, it's also like flexible as to how long it goes on for. So basically, people did it for a year. And then those people were like, I still feel a call to the nations. I know it's going to be a very long journey to get where I'm going. Or I'm already in a nation and I need a lot more training to understand this culture because a year's not been enough. So they were like, oh, we'll just throw on an extra year and you can keep getting mentoring, keep coming along to like, the online seminars and stuff for another year. And I think it's just going to keep going because nobody who's done it wants to stop doing it. So sign up for the first year. You may be doing it for many more years to come. Amazing. If, if you have any inclination that the Lord might be taking you to people from a different culture, uh, you've got to check these guys out. Go see them in, in the depot. Um, so I run uh, the ID course with Jess. ID stands for Intentional Discipleship. It's a year-long church internship program. So we place you with a church, maybe a church in the UK, maybe your home church, or maybe a church on the mainland of Europe, or sometimes even further afield. And for that year, you serve in that church and they love on you, they mentor you, they invest in you, they give you opportunities to take responsibility, to grow in ministry. Um, and then over the course of a year, you get cracking teaching from the Bible. We give you space to you know, open scripture and ask the big questions that we all have. Questions about ourselves, about the world, about God. We help you get deep answers and get your roots deep into the love of Jesus Christ. And the idea is that we want to set you up for a lifetime of loving Jesus, following him and serving his church. Uh, so you, we're in the depot as well. You can come and find out. Our, our places for this year are filled up. Uh, but if you're interested for next year, um, come and chat to us. That would be great. We could see about sending you on an adventure. Um, so before we all head our different ways, um, we've got a bunch of churches uh, represented here today. We invited uh, churches from university towns to come on down and to say hello. So our hope is that some of you who are off to university in September, um, we might be able to hook you up with a local church. And if there's not a representative from a church from that town, come and talk to us and we'll see what we can do uh, so that we can give you a bit of a hookup before you go off to university. Um, so if you are a church leader, do you want to come on up? Just to say that unreached internship we're not all booked up for september so if you're really uncertain feeling called to the nations and you want to do something starting this september it's still worth a conversation with us awesome okay so if you are from a church can you kind of just come and stand up over here with me yes okay as these guys make their way up um like i said earlier on i'm in cambridge I'm one of the pastors at City Church Cambridge. If you're coming off to Cambridge to university, come and say hello. Is anybody coming to Cambridge this year? Hands up if you are. Sad times. Sad times. We, we need some students. If you know anybody who's a Christian coming to Cambridge, you need to send them my way because we need some more students. Um, Jess over there is in, in Emmanuel in Brighton, Emmanuel Church down in Brighton. Anybody off to Brighton this year? Yes, make some friends down here. Um, super. Okay. 
Oh, you've gone both sides of me. That's confusing. You met Tim. Tim's in Manchester. Anybody off to Manchester University? Yes, there we go. Come and chat with Tim. Um, tell us who you are and uh, where you're based. Um, I'm Anna. This is my husband, James. We are based in Loughborough at the moment. Anybody heading to Loughborough University? Not yet, you say. <laughs> Very good. I moved to Loughborough two years ago to marry Anna, and before that I was in Birmingham for 10 years. If you're heading to Birmingham, really happy to chat about that too. Anybody going to Birmingham? Yes, great, make friends. Splendid. Okay, hello. Hi. Uh, where are you? Sorry. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lottie. I'm from Emmanuel Church, Durham. Um, I'm currently a student there, but I help with the youth team. Um, but also, like, even if you're not going to Durham, I did a gap year last year. So if you're wanting to find out about gap years or how I found that, then come and speak to me. Uh, hi, my name is Jonathan. I go to the University of Bath. Uh, I'm there with the New Frontiers Church there in Bath. Anybody else in Bath? Hi, I'm, I'm Joel, and I'm going to try and steal you for the Anglican Church in Bath. But I am New Frontiers, but yeah. We encourage you to get them to fight. Offer you food, all that good stuff. Cool. Okay. Anybody else in the room? Where are you guys? Yes. Okay. Is anybody going to university and there's not somebody here? Yes. Where are you off to? London. Whereabouts in London? Okay, and where, so whereabouts will you be living, do you know? Come chat to me. I got two stonking churches to recommend for you. Um, anybody else? Where are you off to, young man? Nottingham. Okay, do you know any good churches there? Cool. Come chat to this man. Um, anybody else? Where are you off to, young lady? So I start again? Norwich, you're coming right here. Cool, come chat to me. I know a great church in Norwich. Several great churches in Norwich. Uh, at the back? Yes, where are you off to? Newcastle. Yeah, this man can hook you up with somewhere in Newcastle. Brilliant. Who else? Yes. Doncaster. You got any friends in Doncaster? Lancaster. Yes. Okay, this man. Chat to this lady. Cool. Anybody else? Where are you off to? Farnham. That's like down south near Portsmouth. Is? <laughs> My southern geography is not great. Anybody know a church in Farnham? We'll see what we can do for you. Hang around. Who else are we talking about? Yes, at the back. Someone's going to have to. Kent. Going to the University of Kent in Canterbury. Oh, my old stomping ground. There's a great church in Canterbury. I'd love to hook you up with them. Brill. Anybody else? Yes? Oh, sorry. S. Exeter. I know a great church in Exeter. Great. Come chat with me. Yes? Bristol. We've got, there's a couple of churches. We can sort you out with a church in Bristol. Excellent. Okay. Marvellous. So... Final, final things. Come chat to the people that we've pointed out. I believe you've got something you wanted to share? And then would you pray for these guys? That would be great. Okay, give a, give a round of applause to this lady.
Hi. Um, so I was just praying for you this week um, and felt kind of really burdened with a gratefulness um, when praying for you as well. Um, James and I are planning to um, start our adoption application and I'm thinking a lot about the children and the culture that they're going to grow up in and it really struck me that you guys are shaping that culture. Whether you're working in Tesco's or getting a degree, you are shaping that culture and we are grateful for you and we are praying for you. So that's the first thing that I wanted to say. But also when I was praying for you, I just had um, on my heart from God to kind of encourage you with was to find family and fight for family. Um, and I think that that's a very cult, uh, countercultural thing to do when you're stepping out into um, a job or into the workplace or into a gap year or into university where things become very much about your peers um, and maybe you're moving away from your family and maybe you're thinking, oh, Anna, I like want to kind of fly the nest and, you know, stand on my own two feet. Um, but I really felt this, this nudge from God just to remind you that God sets us in families and the way that he has made us to be is to be part of the family of God. So it may be that you find a church that actually is... Um, very much a lot of students and a lot of people that are similar age to you. But I want to just encourage you to be countercultural in finding family and in fighting for it in your own friendship groups as well. Um, I think that, you know, you mentioned about homesickness um, and the levels of loneliness and mental health in universities. The stats are, are crazy when people are surrounded by people but feel lonely. And so I'm just going to pray for us now that actually we would not only find our families in the new places that we're going, or the new workplaces that we're going to, but we would also be those that model kingdom family um, and the family of God around our dinner tables, um, in our halls of residence, in our homes, um, and in our workplaces. God, I thank you for every person that um, has gathered here today. I thank you that you know them inside and out, that you have known them um, since they were in their mother's womb and that you have designed them and created them exactly the way that they are. And God, I pray that you would just make things really clear for them if they're making decisions about next steps. Father, I pray that in the moments of, of loneliness, of feeling isolated or unsure, that you would come with your presence and just surround them with who you are and that you would set each one of us in families, that we would be fantastic examples of your kingdom culture and of your family in the way that we treat one another and that you would, yeah, set us in a family that we do not feel lonely, that we feel um, connected to people of different ages um, yeah, that you would just go ahead of us in the places that we're going to next. God, for this final day of New Day, I pray that each person here would have a sense of peace in their heart as to some decisions that they need to make, people that they need to connect with, or um, things they need to pray through. We thank you for all the leaders that have come and worked so hard here. And we, would you just bless and seal our final hours here today? Amen. Amen. Okay. We hope this has been really helpful and encouraging. Make sure you grab the people that we pointed out to you. Enjoy your final afternoon and evening at New Day. Go away and be blessed. Thanks for coming.